afternoon from Freight Alley. It's on your mind, my friend. Looking over at your wrist over there, and I, uh, yeah. I don't see an Apple Watch. You didn't happen to get one of those for Christmas, did uh, you? No, my wife has one, though. Your wife does? Yes, she does. What's has that? it ever been used to save her life? Not that I'm aware of, sir, no. So I'm watching football over the weekend. It was a great slate of NFL games. They all, during yeah, yeah, as yeah. the day progressed, the Colts lost, so it all turns like these de facto playoff games, right? Right, 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 right. All right, going right. to overtime. You had the Steelers game. You had the Raiders game. <laughs> yeah. They kept playing these Apple Watch ads over and over again. It was brilliant marketing because it was like, you will die without your Apple Watch. Here's, oh, really? here's a couple of them. Let's take a look through them. Hi, I've been in a car accident. My car slipped. There's water getting the car, and I can't get out. Yeah, this lady, she's drowning. Wow. This guy's on his paddleboard. He got sent out there. Wow. Okay. And what they're all doing here is they're all making these calls to 911 via their iPhone. Are you by yourself? Yes. Have you tried to get out? Through their watch. Some of these I don't like. Some like don't you have to have your iPhone to use your iPad, your your Apple Watch too? Then. I don't know because you can you you can buy uh, watches that have cellular service and they're locked down like for your kids. You can buy them for your sons and stuff where they can call you only or emergency services. So I wonder if that's a feature on these. Because I mean, like if you have the Apple Watch and you have to bring the phone, you you could just call in most of these circumstances. Sure, sure, but they do make watches that that they have cellular themselves. You know what's pretty brilliant about these, these ads, though? Oh, th- this one's actually a really good example. Those ones could be used otherwise. This is the guy who's on his bicycle. Is this bicycle. a Yeti sighting? Is that what this is? Yeah, th- so this his this guy fell off his bike, and his phone is calling 911 for him, and it's giving his location by longitude, latitude, his GPS location, everything. Wow. Now, I, the reason I think this is a brilliant ad is it. I don't think it necessarily convinces people who say, like, I will never wear a wearable or I'll never wear a smartwatch, but if you're on the fence... You turn to your, your wife or your significant other and you go, yeah, if I had well, one it's of those, a pretty good life. feature. It's a pretty good feature because, yeah. that, I mean, we've looked into it for watches for our, our daughters, yeah. you know, just so that if they're somewhere, they can just boop and, and hit us and, you know, call us right up. Uh, but the features aren't good enough on them, on them quite yet. This yeah. seems like it's something I would invest in, like something like that. Strong campaign either way. Either way, it, it is a strong campaign. It absolutely is. Absolutely. It's a big show, too. We're going to look at the, the struggles. We have a returning guest, New Jersey Port Girl. She's going to be back. She's going to talk right. to us about what's going on Woo-hoo. over at Port New Jersey, Port New York. Have conditions gotten better? Have they gotten worse? Let us pray. We're going to find out how to be happy from the Society of Happy People. I like Start that the one. year off right with some good uh, mental health. Yeah, man. We're going to hear about the dirty world of truck recoveries in some of these pictures. Some oh, of the God. way these, these trucks are picked up after drivers are abandoned them. They will uh, shock you. I bet they will. And, uh, and, of course, you are going to run us through the latest What's Trending in Sonar. We'll find out all oh, about that. Yeah. We also have the latest news. But first, let's tip the band. You may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in recent years, they've evolved to become a global transportation management leader, generating more than $2 billion in annual revenue by providing supply chain solutions for Fortune 500 companies between Asia, Europe, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they are still the experts when it comes to creating customized solutions to fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from AIT's logistics experts at Tell'em, dude. Hey, go to AIT worldwide.com immediately after this show headlines 
what's happening in the world. Uh, this is something we talk about all the time. Freight's one of those businesses where you're more, the more you pay, the worse service gets, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the law of the world? <laughs> well, truckload. Well, sometimes people think, oh, I'm paying a premium price. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're just paying no. for capacity. It's, it's no. no more premium than it was beforehand. <laughs> what truckload rate increases have done little to improve carrier reliability. Zach Strickland, in his great chart of the week, which I recommend you check out every weekend, oh, yeah, he writes, absolutely. the National Outbound Tender Reject Index that measures the percentage of electronic requests for truckload capacity from shippers that carriers rejected push back over 22% over the Christmas holiday period, despite the fact that contract rates have increased approximately 17% over the last year. Simply put, these rejections cost a lot more than they did a year ago, and it's unexpected to see them persist this level this far beyond the holiday. So we thought there would be a dip. Yeah, absolutely. He goes on to write, the spike in truckload demand has left carriers underprepared and turned the spot market into a Wild West environment with shippers consistently offering rates 20 to 30 percent above contract just to secure capacity. So even though shippers are paying significantly more on their contracted freight, carriers are still unable to cover the persistent demand, which currently exceeds last year. Yeah. I mean, and, and he makes a good point here, too. He says the fact that carriers are still turning down 22% of their contracted loads as of January 6th, which uh, such strong increases means that we cannot expect the typical January slowing, then we will have to continue to evaluate freight market on a regular basis. Very tough time if you're a shipper yeah. dealing with both trucking and overseas. You got Chinese New Year coming up. Um, contract rates are up about 30% on the ocean side. And yeah. I'm yeah. sure you're going to be dealing with all these troubles, as we said here, up 17% on the inland side. Yeah, they're getting crushed all over. And 17% and they're still rejecting 22% of the loads. Yeah. Well, here's one of the reasons for it. There's still a lot of freight out there. New yeah. Year brings new all-time highs for shipping. It's epic traffic jam. Take a look at this chart. And uh, one thing here, if you're... If if you're a visual viewer, not an audio podcast listener, but you can see this clear line on this chart when the port started sending those ships out further out to sea. <laughs> and it made those numbers look better briefly, but we've been starting to look at them since. So Greg Miller reports a record 105 container ships were waiting for berths in Los Angeles and Long Beach on Thursday, according to data for the Marine Exchange of Southern California. Of those, only 16 were in port waters within 14 miles of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Last year, remember, right up into that dividing line, they would have, I think, what were we, a 74, 80 queen oh, yeah, at yeah, a yeah. Time. I think we got up to 93 once before Well, they now there's there. 89. There's 89 of those ships. They're not within view, though. They're over in the safety and air quality zone, which extends 150 miles to the west of the ports and 50 miles to the north and south. Ship positioning data from marine traffic confirms that most of these vessels are off the Baja Peninsula. So just send them over towards Mexico. Nothing to see here. Nothing yeah, Nothing to see here. There's no ships here. Only 40. Uh, so there, there are now more than three times as many container ships waiting for uh, long uh, L.A. Uh, long Beach berths as there were at this time last year. 11.6 times more than in June 24th and on June 24th, the low point of last year. That, okay. was, was, that was when it was lowest. At 31% more than October 24th when online searches for the term supply chain peaked and the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach announced a new Biden administration-backed congestion fee plan. Yeah, so maybe the mainstream is getting a little sick of the supply chain story, but uh, it, over here in supply chain, we're still dealing with the same battle, and it's only getting worse. And it isn't just SoCal either. The ports of New York and New Jersey are now home to the largest quay off the East Coast. They got the longest yeah. line over there, longest queue. As of Friday, marine traffic showed 11 container ships offshore, bringing the grand total for Burt's along all three U.S. coastlines to 146. Wow, 146 sitting out there waiting. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how the general public's like, yeah. Fix it already, will you? 
And here's the new chart we put out. I love data like this. Freightways ratings unveil their inaugural top 500 for, hi for hire list. Take a look at this thing. It's, and this is, uh, I believe this is based on the number of tractors, right? The inaugural mm. top 500 list of largest U.S. based for hire trucking fleets is now hosted on Freightways rating site. Yeah, if you didn't know about that one, it's ratings.freightways.com. It's ranked on that basis of tractor count. And uh, they wanted to show who the biggest players are and where they're located. Um, and who we got here? We got FedEx Corp at number yep. one, UPS Inc., uh, yep. Knight Swift, J.B. Hunt, Yellow Corp, Landstar Systems, Schneider, XPO Logistics, Old Dominion Freightline, Warner Enterprises. As you can tell, they're not making a big distinction between, um, between modes here. Yeah, no, there's obviously there's flatbed, LTL, and everything uh, mixed up inside there. But it's it's still a comprehensive list of the largest high for higher fleets. There's One no note from here is that if this list came out just a, a little bit earlier, Central Freight Lines would have been on there. They would have been in the top 70 with 1,400 tractors. Of course, we broke the news last month that of its closure uh, after 96 years. So CFL, out of business, not on the list anymore. But plenty of companies are. Check it out at ratings.freightwaves.com. But now let's talk to New Jersey Pork Girl, otherwise known as Sadea Morris. She's over at Pink Transportation LLC. And last time we met up with her, she was telling us about the challenges of the long lines that drivers were waiting in, the locked bathrooms, and all of the issues that drivers have to face at the port. Sadea, Happy New Year, and thanks for joining us on the show. Happy New Year to you guys. I hope everything is going well, and your new year has kicked off to a great start. Oh, it looks like you, uh, you're not stuck in your truck this time. Last time we caught you, I think you were waiting in line at the port. And today it looks like you, you actually get to sit down at home for this one. Yes, I had to take a mental health day, but I'm back at it tomorrow. <laughs> hey, it's nice to get it's nice to know who is behind the New Jersey Port Girl too. Finally able to come out of hiding. Which is <laughs> excellent. So tell us a little bit about it. How has been dealing with the port as you were going through the holiday peak season and as we start in January? You said you had to take a mental health day, so that doesn't necessarily uh bode well for what you're gonna tell us. No, absolutely not. And to be honest, we're still having more bad days than good. And uh, that's where TM4J, including myself, come in and we're trying to advocate for. We want better days every day. And it should be regulated that way. No driver should have to suffer. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Your tweets here show that there's all kinds of crazy stuff that is going on here. Let's talk about some of those issues that are there. Tell us what's the congestion like right now. Okay. So as of right now, I... I, like I said, I took a mental health day, so I haven't even gone on to our New Jersey, New Yorker peer trucker page to see if everyone is suffering. But that video is the day before uh, Christmas Eve. So it was the 23rd, and that is the long line of trucks that's waiting to get into Mar terminals. Mahar in particular, too, they've often been called out when we've looked at these videos. Every time it seems like they just have terrible traffic. Are they the worst run terminal over there on the New Jersey side? I, now, I wouldn't personally. I love Mahar. But yeah. as far as their computer logistic goes, it's outdated and it needs to be improved. And they know that. But are they in the works of trying to fix that? I don't think so. So one of the big issues that a lot of drivers point out, too, is that these lines extend outside the the, the port check-in area, right? Right. Where you guys already have to work for free, typically for two hours anyway, but that two hours doesn't start when you get there. It starts when you get through the check-in area, but you could spend a long time in line before you get in. What are some of those delays like? Um, it's Those delays are very bad, and we typically, you could be waiting in line for about, 
three hours before you even reach the end gate for the terminal. But your time, your clock for detention wouldn't start there. It would start when you ha- when you reach the actual kiosk, which could take another hour and a half. Oh. So that's why, you know, myself and TM4J, we're advocating for all hours worked, all hours paid, because it doesn't make any sense that we're outside on the street waiting and then we still have to wait an extended amount of time, plus two hours before we start getting detention. Yeah, and another one of these things here you're talking about, you can get stopped at different points that are there. So one of them is you're waiting uh, almost 20 minutes and and no empty checking, guys. What is what is the empty check? What is that delay there? Yes, so they it's basically an empty verification. And to go when you go there, you just pop open your container door so they could just have a look to make sure that there's no damages and that the container isn't dirty, so it can you know go back on the steamship line. Those guys typically they leave that area to go God knows where to do God knows what. And there's no one else there doing their jobs and we can't do anything about it. We just have to sit and wait until they come back. You sent us another picture too. And it's a a list of um, charges over here for chassis. Walk us through here. What are we looking at here? So with that list, that was actually at PNCT and they, with their chassis inspections, if they see anything wrong, they would charge the company those fees to get it fixed before the chassis actually goes onto the street. And what a lot of people don't realize is that those companies will back charge drivers for their errors with their chassis and drivers will ultimately have to pay those fees. Wow. Today, you know, what's interesting, too, is you have been bringing this issue up a lot on social media. And I remember after our interview, there were a few people who approached you and said, well, why don't you join our group or why don't you join this group or this women in trucking group or or one or the other? And I remember you saying that the reason why is I need to form a group of like minded individuals who represent exactly what's happening at the ports in New York, New Jersey. And I think that we sort of need to do that ourselves. What is the group you formed and how did you set up that meeting with Mira Joshi? Well, um, I didn't set the meeting up with Mary Joshi. It was my brother, Richie. Um, you probably have spoken to him, but those are the drivers that I have been communicating with for the past year and a half. And literally in that picture was the first time that I've ever got to meet them in flesh. So it solidified exactly what we're doing. And to be next to her and to be next to my brothers and my sisters, it just definitely lets us know that we're getting the traction and the pull from the right people and they're hearing us out and they want to implement change and they, they want to help us progress for the future. So Sinead, what is, what is the what is the main focus of this or, or rather um, what is the most important aspect of it? There's many different things that are going on here from the parts, et cetera. But what is the one thing that would be the biggest chunk of improvement if you could get it done? I honestly would say because there's there's so much that we're advocating sure. for. No, and, there is. I and get I just want to go in and say, you know, my brother Ryan Johnson, um, he was able to work with Washington State to mandate, you know, restrooms for truckers and OI to yeah. actually back that as well. So that's a plus. But we want to solidify and to make sure that the drage industry continues to be as strong as it ever has been and that drivers are able to organize and to defend ourselves and to protect ourselves. You know, we have never been able, able to like, you know, really organize on our own. We've had, had bigger organizations try to organize us, but to actually 
be a port trucker and be able to organize and speak out to get together on the things that we are suffering with, it, it just means a lot. Yeah, do you think a lot of that message gets lost? The more, you, the more you increase the funnel and we get out of that sort of granular level of understanding of what happens at ports and what it means to be a New York, New Jersey trucker, once it gets up to higher levels of government, they kind of just look at trucking as trucking, right? And there's very distinct issues that the port has to deal with. By the way, did you say that your brother, because we talked about this last week, I think it was like House Bill 1806 or something, yeah. is the one that is just being voted on in Washington that would force, if you receive trucks, if you receive freight, you have to let the drivers use the bathroom. That was your brother? Well, um, for our movement, we call each other brothers and sisters oh, yeah. because oh. that's exactly what <laughs> we are. And to, to go ahead and, you know, answer that question for you, it's... No matter how you look at it, we are truck drivers. But what people don't realize is that the drayage industry is a whole nother world. Once you step into the nitty and gritty of it, we're totally different than the over the road drivers. And we are different than a lot of the local company drivers as well. So when you when you actually get into the port industry, you realize, wow, I didn't realize that. Wow, this small thing makes a big change when it really does. Yeah. And, I mean uh, just to add in, I'll say um, being able to sit down with some top political leaders, we have gotten a chance to explain that to them. And they're like, they're 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 stunned by it. They're surprised. Wow. Yeah. They haven't they're, they're not aware of what's there. They're ignorant to what the issues are because nobody's spoken up about those. Sure. Right. You it, have to advocate. Right. If you don't yeah. advocate, then people will not know what the issue is, because, look, their, their default is everyone wants everything to be working smoothly. Sure. And is it is it just OK? Well, they got to grin and bear it. Or yeah. are these systemic issues that are not only hurting the poor trucker, but ultimately hurting the consumers? We're seeing all this inflation and supply chain delays. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the logistics industry has always been one of tough individuals historically. Yeah. And they tend to go, well, that's just the nature of the beast. It's a rough industry. Right. And don't really speak up. When things so, Dave, do you think that all this, this sort of mainstream attention and the mainstreamification that happened of freight in 2021 ultimately will be good for your cause? I, I do believe it would be good for our cause because we need we need the attention. We need the traction. That's the only way that we're going to get people to listen. But what we what we want to do is to make sure that the attention that we're getting is being put out there in a positive way and that everything stays on the right track. We do not want anything to go left and we don't want it to, to go right. We want it to stay on the same course and we want to make sure that everything that every necessity that every port trucker needs, it gets done and it gets done the right way. We're, we have both feet on the yeah. ground and we stand firm with everything that we do. Well, are you optimistic that you know this year will be a, a good year for moving some of that forward? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even if it takes the next five years, I'm here to stay. The drage industry is here to stay. And my brothers and sisters, you know, everything that we're doing, we're going to continue to do. That's the only thing that we can do. Yeah. Well, good good luck with with those movements. And, uh, you know, keep your eye on the ball and understand that some of those slopes are slippery. What looks like a good gain today, think down the future. Yeah, because they can get they could what you're wishing for today could get ugly later on. Well, new year, new you, new environment, new wheel of stupid questions. It is the wheel before we let her go. Let's see what we land on. Let's get this year started right. Stop this just to see what. Oh, Oh, here we go. How far fortuitous? That's a brand new one. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Why would your Apple Watch call nine one one? I'm an Android girl. 
You're in. You're an injury girl. You're injury prone. Oh, oh, wow. I'm an injury girl. Yeah, unfortunately. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, hey, how do people connect with you and learn more about what you and your group are trying to do over at the port? Well, uh, you know, they can contact me here. They can always email me. I'm on Instagram. You know, we we're kind of like old school, so we're like kind of keep it under under wraps. We don't have any websites because. We don't we don't need stuff like that. But if they want to contact us, they can send me a DM. They can send me an email. You know, they can give me a phone call. I'm always here. Well, thank you so much today. We appreciate your time today. Thanks for giving us an update on what's going on at the port. No problem. You guys take care. Peace, love, and solidarity. <laughs> hey, <laughs> take peace care, and love peace and love to you. To you. <laughs> Ladies, all right, let's find out what's on the radar in Sonar. Oh. On the Radar, presented by Sonar. Segment where wow, there's sonar, even an intro for there. Sonar expert Michael Vincent. You know, before in the olden times, before sort of new <laughs> what the truck and you before joined electricity. This was a segment we would do every week. Was on the radar in sonar. Um, oh yeah. And I want to get back to it a little bit more, talking about some of the data and breaking it down. You're an expert at it, and we're not using all of your skill set here by not using you to break down some of this stuff. So tell me, tell us all here a story of what's going on in sonar. What's trending now? Well, let's go through it here. Let's bring up the first one here. I, I, I made this uh, as, as a story to kind of follow as to what is going on at the beginning of the year, right? Okay. So if we look at this, we start at the very beginning and look at ocean uh, TEU volume index, which the top part of this thing is showing you the ocean shipments. So these are a number of shipments. Blue line is this year. The dotted yellow line is last year. You're looking at 15.4% up. The index is up way above last year still, which was yeah. historically high as well. So the import shipments is still a high pressure game that is going on. On the bottom of this are the number of TEUs, right? A shipment can be part of a TEU or it could be multiple TEUs. So sure. this is giving you the 20 foot equivalents that are coming in. So this is what we're looking at as far as bookings that are there. This is stuff that hasn't even been stuffed yet. This is out to January 17th. Okay. And they start a little bit low, but they continue to rise as you get closer to those shipping dates. So import volumes are still strong moving towards Chinese New Year. I so would imagine pressure would coming in. Are you seeing a huge pull forward though? No. There's not a big, big spike there, but we're certainly not seeing it level off at all. The next one that we bring in here is the uh, IOTI, which is the Inbound Ocean T uh, TEUs Volume Index into the U.S., and this is showing seven days out uh, of those that are coming out. Now, these are shipments that probably, or TEUs, that won't hit for another 30 days or so. And you see this white dotted line here. These are the new things, and this fluctuates. This could be down, and then it'll jump, and it'll come down. Generally, it's following the same, the same tune. You see it start to come down there in the beginning of this chart, which is up until November coming right into the holidays, and now it's slowly, and well, actually fairly nicely coming back up. Dropped a little bit for the holidays, but yeah. that's just a holiday seasonal, and it jumped right back up. So the pressure on the inbound is not, those 142 or whatever they're sitting out there is more coming. Yeah, that doesn't it. look like a huge holiday dip here either. You see some, you know, you look into November around Thanksgiving, yeah. you see some big drops over yeah. in November. That's kind of a dead yeah. zone. A few other periods. But this one, you just have a kind of minor drop in basis points, then, then pull then it yeah, right back up. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that you don't see in, in here, and I kind of spread it out here, is you can go back a number of years, right? And if you go, if you were to spread this out over all time, you would see that even those bottom points there, even right there, right yeah. at the November 13th, that really low, that's, that's higher than the highest, 
sure. two years ago. So they lo- they look like they're dips, but, rel- but relative, <laughs> relative to two years ago. They're not even close to getting Well, and this normal. is telling the story of Greg Miller article, too, where he said uh, imports were up like 31% yeah. from this same time last year. Yeah, so you see things starting to come down. Uh, it's 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 less crazy is what it is. It's still tons of pressure. Now, so how does the outbound tender reject index factor into this? And what is the outbound tender reject index? Yeah, so let's bring that up, this this next one that is there. And I've got, uh, actually, I've got uh, two years, last two years on this as well. So the outbound tender reject is, what that is, is, is the uh, number of contractual loads that have been offered that carriers have not fulfilled. Rather, okay. either inability to because of capacity or they got something better to do because they're making 20% more on the spot market. Sure. <laughs> right? So that's what we're looking at and it's relative how it is moving versus the last two years um the orange is 2020 uh, and the green is 2019 2019 is really the last time where it kind of looked normal seasonal yeah uh if you will um and so just showing you exactly where the rejection level is right now sitting at 22 percent uh and has come down a bit uh, it is still quite, quite high. That as I, or I'm sorry, the green is 2021 because now we're into 2022. Um, just trying to see where this thing is. It's coming down a little bit gradually after the after the holiday. That spike there that is right behind it, really that plateauish, if you will, was really a capacity driven event, right? Capacity coming offline. It wasn't necessarily volume. Which, if we look at it, the next slide here, we can explain this a little better. The next slide here is your outbound volumes, and you can see the dip for uh, um, for Thanksgiving there at the end of November, and then yeah. the dip for for the holiday weeks of Christmas and New Year's came back up. What I'm looking at there is that ellipse that I have drawn around there right after the first to try and see where this volume is going to come back to according to or against last year. It's dangerously close to eclipsing even last year's numbers. How how hard has it become to, in the pandemic times, it's got to be really hard to use these as predictive indicators, right? Because even when we look at like ports like Ningbo, for those ocean ones, those TEUs, there's there's no telling when, when more shutdowns or lockdowns could happen, which could which could radically change the trajectory of that line. Absolutely. It becomes increasingly more difficult, and you have to look further and further back upstream into those TEUs, et cetera. And you've got to stay – you've really got to stay – I think more importantly, you've got to stay in tune with all the news that is going on there and the content and the sensibilities and the the interpretation of those market experts as to what all this stuff means, right? I was just talking to Zach uh, Strickland, the sonar, sultan of sonar, uh, this morning about the IoT or the inbound uh, TEUs and why it would change directly so quickly and it's there's just this erratic nature to purchasing of, of of capacity from the large BCOs around in the United States that predictability five weeks out is very difficult um, just is, is that par- is part of that erratic nature due to the fact that so many containers are being held up at the port so volumes are coming in at erratic times the, the volumes themselves when your freight is available to you is itself erratic and unpredictable. I think that's part of it and I think the other part of it is the you know the, the unpredictability of the the consumer, the US consumer in particular in our markets obviously. But what is that sentiment and what does that sentiment mean? For a while now the spending habits and the sentiment have not been in line yeah. with each other. And so when is that going to change and is covid or is omicron going to do this and is this shutdown going to do that and uh, you know what is going to be the purchasing habits for spring? Like uh, we've been having the same conversation now yeah, for, for over and years. over and over and it's not going to change. The issue, if we bring up this next chart, up on tender region. Let's look at Ontario. Let's look at Ontario, yeah, Canada. Ontario. Yeah, bring this one up. This is Now, this is interesting here because you see that the blue line right there is the up on tender rejections, okay, okay, for Ontario. And Ontario is where most of 70% of the imports in the United States go through there, right? Coming and that's through, much less, 14.9% versus 22%. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. for the for them, yes, absolutely. Uh, and then the uh, the pink or fuchsia line there is uh, the long haul outbound tender volumes. And what you're seeing here is on the left hand part of this, long haul volumes and the outbound re tender rejections go in lockstep. As long haul goes up, tender rejections go up, volumes go up, tender rejections happen. They've gone out of sync on the right hand side. You start to see them go wonky like this, right? Yeah. And it's becoming much and more difficult to predict where that O try and where that pricing is going to go. And if you jump into the next slide really quickly, this is uh, our, our market dashboard uh, that is showing you your lanes uh, pricing on a, on, a, uh, on a daily basis real time, is what we're looking at here in that green line, that's your pricing for outbound Ontario to Dallas. And if you look over here, you'll see that since the first of the year, it's relatively falling off a cliff. Um, relative to where it's been. It's been elevated yeah. around $4, et cetera. It's falling. But going back and seeing that wonky line and the inbounds that are coming, the volumes are coming back, and that O try is going to bounce. So you've got to be looking ahead. Right now you'd think, oh, volumes are down a little bit. Uh, you know, consumer sentiment isn't so hot. Things are listening. Not, not so fast. There's plenty of ripples coming through there, and you've got to be able to time those out and know what's going on. Wow, oh, a big, big thing to watch. Another big thing to watch. I'm glad you put up Ontario Canada. It's just worth mentioning vaccine mandates coming through this month that are going to limit movements across both borders. I believe if you're an unvaccinated yeah. trucker in Canada, you're not going to be able to come into the United States without some sort of exemption. So that's going to be big. And that, that I'm sure that's going to wreak havoc on some of these rejections if this, this stands. And it seems like it is. I would think it would certainly have uh, uh, a big, <laughs> big impact. Some big, big headwinds impact. coming up, people. Yeah, Strap I mean, you're, in. I mean in, the, in the disruption there, just real quick, as I was looking at it today, I put it out on LinkedIn. 171 minutes is the is the wait time in Ontario right now. 171 Terrible. minutes, just just spiked over the last two days, just yeah. through the roof. It's tough. I mean, just because you hung a new calendar on the wall, it didn't fix uh, all these global shipping issues. In fact, many of them are actually worse as we work into 2022. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, we'll see where we are after Chinese New Year, and obviously we'll still continue all these lanes and coverage throughout What the Trucks coverage. All right. Amen. China, Vietnam, Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Mexico. AIT Worldwide Logistics has 2,000 supply chain experts in these countries and, of course, in offices across the United States. And in 2022, they're adding more locations around the world as the organization can, continues to expand and make it easier than ever for customers to ship between Asia, Europe, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business. You can learn more at, tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com right after this show. Well, Sadea, New Jersey poor girl, she said she took a mental health day today. I know a lot Important. of professionals in supply chain, whether you're a driver, whether you're in sales, whether you're behind a desk, you are dealing with constant, constant stress from angry customers, <laughs> conditions that are out of your control. And I'm sure you take it home with you, and I'm sure it impacts your happiness. That's why I am very happy to bring Pamela Gail Johnson on the show right now. She's the founder of the Society of Happy People, and I hope we all can learn something for her, for her that will set the tone for 2022. Pamela, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. No, thank you guys for inviting me. I was, I'm excited to be here. Well, when I saw Society of Happy People, I was actually, I was kind of depressed that day. And I saw a thing and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do myself a favor and the audience a favor. And I got to book this person because I, I, I need to learn to. I'm on constant uh, search of betterment. I, you know, I have clinical uh, depression. I deal with that myself. So I'm constantly looking for new means and tactics to do it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, though. How did you get into focusing on making people happy? Well, I, I go back doing this quite a while, back to the, to the days when Oprah and Jerry Springer were kind of the, 
self-help was the, the norm. So where we really bonded on what was wrong, and I just kind of started asking that question, where are all the happy people? And we've never wanted people to not own what I call now happiness zappers because everybody is going to experience happiness zappers. And in my new book, I say happiness zappers are manageable. Uh, but but we also want to make sure we're counting all the what's rights. We're wanting to count all the times we feel good. And so that included things like expanding your definition of happiness and and starting to try to look at happiness a little bit different. Yeah, it's interesting on how you, you, you need to look at that. I've got so many questions about this. But since you talked about this, how to look at things a little bit differently, right? I, I think a lot of the times with my depression that I struggle with myself and my anxiety is is I look at all the good things and I think, well, something crappy is about to happen anyways, right? But shouldn't you really be looking at it the opposite way? Hey, it's crappy right now, but something's good always going to happen again. Well, I think that falls into reframing, and that's going to be different for everybody, especially if you're dealing with you know, depression issues, anxiety, I think everybody's going to have, uh, because we also say our first principle is happiness is personal. So whatever works, you know, for you, whatever your solution is, it's personal for you. So reframing is definitely one of those ways, ways to go. Happiness is fluid. It's going to go up and down and up and down. And I tried to define it very simply. Happiness is when we feel naturally good. So sometimes let's say we've had a really crappy day. Let's, you know, you were dealing, you guys were talking about it. I am sure your industry deals with cranky customers and vendors no. and, <laughs> no. and that, that wears on you. <laughs> Even the happiest person that can wear on you. Oh, yeah. So, so maybe you're having that, that day or you have bad weather and you're stuck in ice. Um, I'm in uh, the DC area right now in Virginia, you know, people were on I-95 this past week for 20 something hours. So, you know, that happens to everybody. So it's how you manage it that really reflects your happiness. But but your happiness in those scenarios might not be like having fun or laughing. It might just be, you know, relief that you found a song you liked listening to on the radio, or it's just feeling, like I said, a little bit better than maybe you felt the moment before. It's just kind of raising your energy or your vibe just a little bit at a time. And sometimes happiness is that stair step. You know, I mean, the, the thing for me, too, is that it, it becomes so internal and external. And these things, when you, when you sort of improve your mood, it, it rubs off on the people around you. Where sure. for me, when, I, when I'm feeling really down, I, I, I hollow up. I get very internal. I get very quiet. And I, I don't want to, like, put that misery out on the people around me. But it makes it very easy to bottle that in. Now, I firmly believe when you're teaching something about, when you're teaching someone about something, it's also best to be a student as well, so you're constantly learning. What assumption did you have about happiness when you first started out that's shifted over time? Probably, I'll say my principle three of my book is that happiness changes as you change. And I think while that's super obvious, uh, and probably because I've changed in 20-something years, but you, I think sometimes we still try to cling to happiness from the past instead of embracing the happiness that's currently in our present. So sometimes we're being, and nostalgia is a type of happiness, and so that, that's a good thing, but not when we're always trying to pull that nostalgia forward. So it's, it's you know, okay, so I'll use this example that some of your, your audience may relate to. So, you know, I, I'm from Dallas, and so I'm a, obviously a Dallas Cowboys fan. If I'm only thinking about my football team in terms of their glory days, which have, have been gone for about two decades now, you know, I'm not going to be very happy. 
So, you know, you kind of have to be happy in the, the exact moment of, oh yeah, we had a good success today. You know, so sometimes happiness is, like I said, incremental and it can't, it can't really be based on sometimes our, our past, but we can have hopes of, you know, future happiness. Yeah, I hope there are a lot of Tennessee volunteer fans listening to that statement there. The uh, <laughs> your four ha- <laughs> your four happiness principles, though. Uh, so happiness zappers. How, how do you get those things where you're, you're smoothing along and something pow, this lightning bolt comes down and just throws you off? How do you manage those situations? Um, well, it depends on the type of zapper. So we divide them into five categories. So one is unhappiness. So unhappiness usually is when we're dealing with a change that we're going to probably have to grieve. So it can actually be the ultimate change, which would be death, death of a loved one or a pet, something that was, you know, part of our, our emotional and even physical lives. But it can also be a job change. Your job's changing and you didn't necessarily want it to change. Or it could be an estranged family situation, a divorce, or you're not getting along with your siblings or your parents. It could be a health issue. You know, all of a sudden your doctor's like, you have to give up your favorite foods, except maybe once a year on your birthday. And and you have to kind of mourn that loss. So that takes longer to go through. It's not like happiness is just this choice because you're not just going to wake up and not be grieving those changes. Then we have um, stress. You guys talked about stress. Everybody's going to manage stress. (coughs) Sorry. Let me just get a... Sure. As I'm choking here. Everybody's going to have to manage some kind of kind of stress. And again, that's going to be personal. For somebody that's going to run and work out, I, I noticed mm. you guys had a whole episode on, on working out that I listened to last week. Um, or the whatever, Iron Man thing. So sometimes that's your, your way to work out. But for somebody else, it might just be meditating. Or for somebody else, it might be venting. It just depends on how you need to manage that, that stress. Then we have fear. We all get stuck with a little bit of fear and how, how do we, does it stop us from moving forward or do we keep moving forward? Um, then we also have chaos. So chaos is usually temporary. And so when chaos shows up, it's best to remember like, this is temporary. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's half a day, but it, it, it does usually alleviate itself. Now there may be some lingering consequences. <coughs> Sorry. I'm choking on you guys. Um, There might be lingering consequences of when the chaos is going on that turns into, say, stress, but it it is usually temporary. And then annoyances are the ones that we often have a tendency, let's say we thought somebody was rude to us, and we'll carry that with us throughout the day. We just, Mm -hmm. you know, tell people Mm -hmm. about it, and we're just sitting on it. But the reality is it might not be something we would even remember next week, much less a year from now. So kind of my rule of thumb on those things is, really take an honest uh, approach to it and say, will I remember this a year from now? And if the answer is no, just go ahead and put it in your God box or, you know, just zap it away, toss, toss it away. It's, it's, you know, it's just not worth losing happiness over. Uh, That's probably the easiest one to manage, but uh, we actually have hunt for happiness week coming up and we're going to be focusing on creating our very own uh, zap the zapper wands. So we're going to just have a little fun with that. So that when you have a happiness zapper show up, we're going to try to add a little. Exactly. It could be a Harry yeah. Potter wand, maybe a lightsaber. Give, give maybe, me a cattle you know, prod it, and I'll be stick it into this guy's armpit over here. <laughs> just electrocute him off. Yeah, you can just go. <laughs> well, your new book is called Practical Happiness, Four Principles to Improve Your Life. Where can people get it at? 
Um, if you just go to our website, SOHP.com, you can just click a link and it'll show you all your buying options. And it's also out on audio. I actually was um, in the Omaha for the holidays and I was talking to um, a gentleman who owns his own truck and he actually bought the, <coughs> again, excuse me, <coughs> he bought the uh, audio version. So that'll be coming out on the 25th. But you can, like I said, you can listen to it. Um, we also, I have a free gift, the, our happiness counter, which gives you 31 types of happiness to help spread your definition, make it bigger. Um, <coughs> again, I apologize. Uh, it's at just SOHP.com forward slash gift, or you can even get the counter on our SOHP app. Thank you. Thank go. you. Thank you, awesome Pam. We stuff. appreciate it. Get that, get that cough checked out too. You know, there's, there's, there's stuff going around. So just hopefully you feel, hopefully you feel better and that thing doesn't get any worse. We appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for your time today. Yeah, it's a choke. No, it's okay. <laughs> Take it easy. We appreciate it. Well, peace. you know, it's not, no one, no one's not, doesn't make your average trucker happy. Well, like we what, talked about the story last well, week, when, you, time, when, you're, when you're given a truck with a bunch of dirty junk yes, in the back of it. Yes, we did talk about that. That is disgusting. Well, what happens, oh. though, when a trucker's on the job and they just say, you know what, screw this job, and they take off and they abandon the truck? We're going to find <laughs> out about that, those trucker coverage. The dirty job from uh, Sharon Sheely. She's a veteran driver. She's with us right now. I've been talking to her a lot. She's Snapshot Freak on Twitter. We've talked a lot oh. on Twitter, but this is, I believe this is the first time we've actually heard each other's uh, voices. Well, she may have heard mine from the show, but the first time I'm hearing hers. Sharon, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So this story came up because of um, that driver, right? That driver on Reddit was like, am I the a-hole for refusing this truck? And oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The truck had all the, the bottles in it with God knows what liquid in there and the Welch's pockets and dirty guess. clothes and stains all <laughs> over the place. And you said, you know what? I've seen some stuff because I've done truck recoveries. Um, tell us a little bit about that and tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been driving for eight years. Um, I've been a company driver, but there's been, and I generally run team, but I have, uh, on my home time, sometimes I would, uh, help the company out, go do a truck rescue. Um, so those have been quite the adventure on top of already the trucking adventure. Unbelievable. What's the worst, uh, truck rescue you've done? The worst truck rescue that I've done was my very first truck rescue. I was actually still in training. Um, and we were in New Hampshire. The company called and wanted to know, we were actually going to go pick up a load. So the company went, called and wanted to know if we would be able to uh, go grab this truck. The driver had been put out because he didn't pass his DOT physical. And uh, we got there. The truck was just absolutely disgusting. And uh, there was, he left basically everything he owned in the truck on top mm -hmm. of all the dirt. Uh, and he actually had broken the gear shifter in the truck, which... I don't know how that could even happen, but it literally was uh, wow. Was with about three inches away from the dashboard in a Freightliner truck. So uh, that was the that was the big challenge was getting it back. I think I ended up driving about 400 miles that night um, in the rain <laughs> in a bobtail. Wow. Sharon, you what, so, what are the uh, what are, and Bob, nobody? Every time I was driving with my wife on the highway, I was like, "Yeah, that guy's not making any money, or that girl's not making." Yeah, Anytime yeah, I yeah. see like a bobtail, Oops. which were pretty rare this holiday yeah. season, but I got to ask you, what's the logistics behind that? So um, you realize that the truck has been abandoned. Now what? What happens next? Uh, depending on what ha what happens in that case, uh, we were teaming. We've done a probably uh, Walter is my uh, co-driver. Uh, we've done probably three truck rescues together. Uh, where I just get off the truck and I go grab the, the rescue. And then uh, usually they'll have me take it back to a terminal. 
Uh, it just depends if I'm already home. Uh, my company usually will either fly me out or I'll uh, drive cross country uh, to wherever the truck needs that needs to be picked up. And uh, I had one in Salt Lake City. I drove to that one. It had been it broke down and uh, it needed to be repaired. It was there about a month. That truck wasn't so bad on the inside, um, but when I got there, it was still broke down. So I ended up being stuck in Salt Lake for a few days. That's not not always my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're a skier, it wouldn't be too too bad, I, I guess. Um, well, so, uh, you ever walk up to him? You ever go to one and say, "Nope, I'm not taking this one back." No, no, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I do actually bring my own cleaning kit with me uh, yeah, when I yeah, go on rescue. Yeah, well, that was going to be kind of the 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 lead into to that question is, what do you do? I mean, how does this get cleaned up? Does you take it to get it detailed, or you just do it yourself to so that it's drivable? I only I clean what I need to clean in order to just operate the truck. So the yeah. seats, the steering wheel, all the knobs, uh, nothing in the back of the truck. That's I don't even want to get involved there. Actually, yeah, I, yeah. There, some people are pretty filthy. I personally, um, I have OCD, but my truck is it stays clean. Yeah, I, so I, don't, I mean, some of these look like I, you could get like the black mold in them, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're in really I mean, bad shape. There's health hazards going on in these things. This sounds costly too, because you said that you know they're they're either flying you out or they're taking you out of a truck, and then not only are you now not driving another truck during this recovery time, but you're bobtailing back. So a lot for a trucking organization, a lot of money is learn is lost over this process, is it not? Um, I well, you have to balance that out with is it uh, to recover your own truck? Oh sure. I think, you know, the value of that is doesn't have a cost. But uh, a lot of times, uh, depending on what I was doing, if I was uh, under team, then I would just drive the truck to a closest terminal. But the like Salt Lake City load, um, I actually went and rescued a driver in her truck that was in California. Wow. She had fallen out of the truck and hurt her knee. So they sent me to California. I picked up her and her truck to drive her back. But some of the some of them we do actually grab loads and bring them back with us. Does, so, does it pay it, more? It, does it? Like, how do they pay you, like the driver who's going to do the recovery? Because usually you're bringing a load, you get paid sure. rate per mile, but this sure. is a much different circumstance. It's usually for me personally, um, they pay for my rental cars or my flight, depending on how they send me out. They pay for my hotels because I absolutely won't sleep in a truck. So on the way back, I will sleep in hotels. They, pay, they cover all my expenses. So, um, And then they also pay me a rate per mile to bring the truck back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'd be sleeping in the back of one of those. those trucks no, right no there. I don't blame her at all. <laughs> but so, I mean, has there ever been an instance where it's, you know, you're picking these things up and there's obviously that the driver uh, of that wanted to give one little final F you to the company as they walked away or uh, has it ever become like a repo type of thing? Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we did have one repo type and that was uh, we were in Maryland we actually had a delivery to Maryland, but they wanted us to go pick up a truck. The guy wasn't making the payments on it. And so, um, but when we went to pick the truck up, he had taken all of the lights off the truck. So we couldn't mm. run the truck at night. Uh, we ended up having to go back the next day to get it and take it up to a TA so that they could get lights on it. So it could be brought back to one of our terminals. I, I actually left it at the TA because we were under load. So I still was at work, but uh, there was that one, and then I picked up a truck in Sioux City. Huge snowstorm. The truck had been sitting there for four days. That driver actually took stole the headlights out of that. The truck be, ended up being broken down. The uh, the air dryer 
wouldn't work. So we left the trailer there for someone else to come and grab. And then they towed me and the truck down to Omaha, Nebraska to a Freightliner there that would be uh, quickest to get it repaired and then get me moving. But that mm-hmm. took probably that took three more days than I originally had planned to be gone. Sharon, before I yeah. let you go, I understand that you're also trying to round out your skill set, right? You're you're trying to become a broker and uh, learn the operations and the sales side of all this and make yourself fully well-rounded in freight. How far along are you in that journey? Uh, I just did the final um, markups on my website, so that'll be done. And then uh, within the next week or so, I should be full going. I'm uh, going to be working on getting uh, my shippers uh, you know, those built up and then of course carriers as well. I'm excited about it. Uh, I've been off driving for a year and a half with a shoulder injury cause I slipped out of the truck. Oh. So, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I will be able to still drive, but we're, we're we'll see. Well, it's still gonna, therapy. Our, our stupid <laughs> question of the day is what would your uh, Apple watch be calling 911 yeah. for? And I think you just gave us your answer cause you, you, you would have fallen out of your truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Sarah, we really appreciate it for people who want to connect with you online or, or follow along on this journey or work with you as a, uh, as a customer for this new brokerage you're putting together. Uh, where do I send them to? Uh, it would be emberfreight.com. And again, I think today we should have the site up and running. Yeah. Anyone feel free. I'm, I, I'd be happy to, uh, I'd be happy to, to welcome everybody. Well, cool. Don't That'd be, be don't be a stranger. I know I'll see you on uh, on Twitter, of course, and um, we'll keep talking there. But thank you for coming on the show and sharing some insights into the world of truck recovery. Thanks for um, having me. And I and I will be awaiting my uh, my freight waves uh, Christmas ornament next year. I'm just going to let you know right now. So you have all these months to get that taken oh, care of. We got to send her one. We got to get some orson what the truck <laughs> ones make. Look, last year I asked everyone for them. You saw the pictures online. We got a yeah. ton sent for the tree, but I, I did feel a little bad because freight waves ourselves, we did not have our own ornament. We didn't send it. No, we didn't have our own ornament. Darn so good we got to put some pressure on that. We'll talk to Bradford or something. It is a season of giving, week. right? Not I receiving. think we should get a what the truck one because we're doing the what the truck tree. Well, freight yes. waves logo with the what the truck logo. We'll do it. That sounds <laughs> We'll figure it out. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Got to order them now if you're going to get them in from China. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the hot seat, they, they were so nice. They sent us a bunch of ornaments, but his ornaments just arrived like yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a, he sent us a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And did you know what job. came? No, we got a bunch of Yetis this year. Yeti mugs. I remember a couple yeah, of years ago, my sister-in-law gave me one of my stocking. I was psyched. I was like, oh, now he's a $20 yeah. like, mug. And now, now we get them all the time with Maven branded logos. Beanies, Maven beanies. Or yeah. A lot of yeah. cool stuff. All right. Big deal, little deal. Big deal. Little deal. All right, big deal, little deal. Michael Vincent, a trucker on Reddit, recently shared his experience when he went for a job interview for a yard dog position. Take a look at this. He said he had to walk from an interview today. He walked out of a job at Hersheback for a yard dog position in Boonville, Indiana. And what happened there is things were going well, except he went to go use the bathroom. And one of the managers was also in there. And he said he started, uh, you know, he used some words I'm not going to use here, but he, he started complaining <laughs> to him. And he said, truckers don't use these bathrooms here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he told him to get out. And this guy said, you know what? I don't like the way people are treated around here. I don't like this toxic environment. He moved on from the uh, interview. Good on this guy. Well, first of all, I want to give him a little cowbell for this. But you know what? This mentality and the way people were treated in freight, especially before the great resignation, I mean, I am so glad that people are taking more agency of this. When I worked on the brokerage and the sales side, it was very much, and this is recent, like this is very much, be thankful you have a job. Be yeah. thankful you weren't fired sure. in 2008 or 2009. You need a thicker skin. 
Yeah, you call in sick, everybody everybody gives you the death glare the next oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, weekends are made for being sick. Oh, and if you took, imagine if you, if you took vacation time for a week, you were dead. And when people were away, you knew it was bad because everyone would just talk S about the people who were out. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. It's a big deal. You think, yeah. It, it is a big deal, um, just the fact that people would treat uh, a fellow human being this way, but it's also a big deal in our in our, in our our business, and, and I'm with you. I'm glad that people are bringing this to light and realizing that it doesn't have to be a thick skin industry. It can be a good professional industry. Well, I, you know, and I, there was some comment, like I posted something about this, and someone said, well, I had to deal with it. That, that's right, yeah, but so that's, that's the way cycle abuse so happens. I, like, I think that it's really toxic and negative to have that mentality that just because yeah. you went through something, other people have to. I think about much better mentality is I went through this awful thing. I want to change it for other people. Yeah. I, I, amen. Spot on. I'm with you, my brother. So here's a big deal, little deal for you. CDL Life reports more than 12 small trucking companies operating out of the Port of Oakland's terminal are being forced to vacate to make room for incoming cargo. And the company owners say they are taking it personally. So apparently they've got uh, rent there, these 12. And yeah, that's yeah. why they operate. They're saying, I got you. get out. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And I, I think the port sort of was sort of callous the way they framed it. The Port of Oakland released the statement that said, tenants have long been aware of the temporary nature of their rental agreement. Will we, we will reconfigure this location as a temporary container yard this spring with supply chain efficiency at Oakland. Um, a lot of these, these small carriers said, hey, we knew the A's were building a stadium over there too, but yeah. we thought we had until 24, 25. Now to the port's credit, they said they're going to work with these truckers to mm. find them an auxiliary location. We'll see if that happens and comes to fruition. We'll stand it. But yeah, really big deal. And just another byproduct of all this congestion. Now these companies have been kicked off the yard and it's not going to make things better no it doesn't it doesn't help things but yeah hopefully uh bringing this to light will uh uh you know and it, certainly we didn't do it first but hopefully they will help these these companies because the way they put it hey we're small family companies man this nope. is what we depend on we're almost out of time so let's show this tweet here this is from john Rees. he says oh, okay yeah <laughs> i'll tell you this. i'll run with this one he says he's yeah. he, this guy too he is john Rees. he's manitoba's minister of economic development and jobs he posts this, he says, even after a 12-hour night shift at the hospital last night, my wife still has the energy to shuffle the driveway. God bless her and all her frontliners. Time to make her some breakfast. And he takes this picture from, like, he's obviously on the second floor. You can see the window from the comfort of her house. Uh, she's got a shovel, no snowblower, and it looks like she just got started. Big deal, little deal. I, I, big error in judgment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a big deal that he did this. Yes, well, well, I mean, if he was like, oh, great, she's home shovel. I, yes. look, she's such a go-getter. I got to go grab a shovel. Don't make the breakfast. Like, yeah. Get outside with her. Yeah, he, he, needs, a PR a he needs a PR consultant. He I mean, is, it, is he created a job? I guess he's what? They're a minister of economic development and jobs. Go. Here, shovel the driver. That's your job. Come Wonder on. She's better, making minimum stronger. wage. I know we will. We'll try better on Wednesday when we'll be back at noon Eastern time. Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Looking up What the Truck. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>